Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Grieving the Spirit. We've got to make sure we're not grieving God's work in our heart. Because that can also limit God's power. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at this passage. And I might turn to a few more scriptures than what I normally would. But if you're taking notes, I'll make sure to put the, or to, to say the, the passages. And then also make sure to give you a little bit more time to get over there. And I'll be reading each one of the scriptures. So normally, I might not turn to as many. But as you'll see this morning, I want to develop something here. I want to develop the work of the Spirit in our lives and how he's there. And so we'll talk about that this morning. So this is our third and final message in our series, Limiting God's Power. And today we're going to talk about how we can limit God's power by grieving the Spirit. Now, if the Spirit is grieved, if the Spirit is grieved, then God's power in your life will be limited. So we want to see how we can avoid this. That's basically what we want to do this morning, is see how we can avoid limiting God's power, how he works in our life. So Ephesians chapter 4, uh, it says in verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He says, grieve not the Spirit of God. Uh, this morning in our uh, passage, I just have two thoughts for you that I want to share with you in our message this morning. And the first one is, I want to talk about the presence of the Spirit in your life. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And in your life this morning, is the Spirit there? Is the Holy Spirit with you? That's what I want to begin with, because this is extremely important. Because if the Spirit's not there, then that's the problem. But once the Spirit's there, we want to make sure we're not grieving Him. So, uh, as far as the presence of the Spirit, uh, I have two things I want you to consider. And the first one is, I believe the Spirit, according to the Bible washes our heart. He's the one who does the work in our heart. Now, of course, as far as salvation, we're saved in Jesus Christ, but it's the work of the Spirit that takes place in the heart that cleanses us. And we'll be turning to the book of Titus here in a little bit to see that. But before we head there, let me give you a few thoughts on our passage here. There are some things that are evident in this passage concerning the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit is real. That's what this passage tells us. The Holy Spirit is real. He's a real being. And it tells us that he can be grieved. We'll talk more about grief here in a minute, but if if you can be grieved, that means you're real, that you have feelings, and that you can be affected. And so the Holy Spirit can be grieved, so he is real. The Bible also teaches, and we'll see some passages on this here in a moment, the Holy Spirit lives with the believer, or resides in the heart of the believer. That's why we can grieve him, by our conduct, or or, I guess, uh, our character or how we're living. And then here's the third one. The Holy Spirit has power. He possesses power. Now, He's not a power that we grab hold of. The best way to describe the Spirit is He's a, a real being that has power. He's almighty. And if we let Him work in our life, then He can bless us. So, as far as the first thought here, how He washes, uh, the question I want to answer first is, how does one receive the Spirit? How do you get the Spirit in your heart? How do you know that you have the Spirit residing with you? Uh, the Bible tells us that salvation is of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, let's turn over to Ephesians. If you have your Bible, it's just one book over from Philippians. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading verse 6. It says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. 
And then verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This morning, I I want to just remind you that salvation is in Christ. And it's a gift of grace. Now, grace is a gift that you don't earn, or you don't... It's a gift without merit. You don't deserve it or earn it. It's something that is given to you. Maybe someone's given you a gift in the past, for your birthday, or at Christmas time, or just because you care about somebody, or someone cares about you, they gave you a gift. No strings attached. It's just a gift. They want to give you something. That's what salvation is. It's a gift from God. And we must receive Christ into our heart. Uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, This morning, if you want to be saved, it's as simple as understanding that you need a Savior, that you've sinned against God, uh, and that you need a Savior, and then it's receiving Him into your heart by faith. It's a gift that God's given you, but you've got to receive the gift. If you don't receive the gift, it's still there. So I hope and pray you've received the gift of salvation, that you are saved here this morning. If not, today's a day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't delay it. Uh, you don't know what tomorrow may bring. If God's working in your heart today to, to settle that, then settle that. Receive Christ as your Savior this morning. And if, if you know what to do, then settle it in your heart immediately. If not, afterwards, you can ask questions from myself or others to know how to be saved. But once you're saved, the Bible teaches that, that well, salvation is a work of the Spirit. And that's what I want to go over to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Because I want to show you how he works in the heart this morning. And how he takes up residence in the heart of the believer. But Titus, chapter 3. And in verse 4 it says, But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You'll notice there again... uh, It's not by works that we're saved. It's God's mercy, God's grace, and it's a work that takes place because of Christ. Uh, You know, Ephesians 2 says, uh, lest any man should boast. You know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be no boasting in heaven on our merits or our works. In other words, uh, nobody's going to get to heaven and say, well, I'm here because I was this rich. Uh, I'm here because I paid this much money. I'm here because I was healthy in life, or I was strong, or I figured this out. We're going to be there because of Christ. All of us are going to be there because we are saved in Jesus Christ. Uh, there is boasting. It's boasting on God. It's boasting on Christ. And so that's where salvation is. But in this passage, we find the work of the Spirit now. The Holy Spirit. It says the, the washing and regeneration. Now that word wash means it's to cleanse the heart of sin. And that's what's needed at salvation is to cleanse the heart of sin. Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, you don't have to convince me I've sinned. I know I've sinned. Uh, sin is something that we have in our nature, and we need God's forgiveness of that sin. We need to be cleansed. We can't cleanse ourselves, by the way. Now, you can take a, a shower and you can cleanse your outward body, but you cannot clean your heart. Uh, the way I like to put it, if you could, you would. Now, you might do good works for a moment of time, but how, Christ goes back to the thoughts. And the intents of the heart. And when you think of it that way, then all of a sudden we realize there's sin in there. We need to be cleansed. 
God cleanses the heart. It's the work of the Spirit who cleanses. And that's what we find here, that He cleanses, He regenerates and renews. He gives new life to everyone that accepts Christ as His Savior. He gives you new life. He gives you what we would call a spiritual life, where you can now talk to God, you can approach God and live unto the Lord. This this is my question for you this morning before we move to the next point. Has this work been done in your heart? Has this work been done in your heart? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior and has the Holy Spirit worked in your heart? If not, that can be the work that takes place today. If it has, then you're saved. The Bible teaches you're saved, you're cleansed before God, and you're, you're made acceptable to God the Father who's pure and holy. So that's what we have here in the first point is the washing of the, of the heart. Here's the second one. and we're going to get to our passage here in a minute. I just want to develop the work of the Spirit and His presence there. The Spirit, once He washes the heart, the Bible teaches He resides or He lives with the believer. And let me give you a few verses to understand this or so we can see it scripturally. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Because uh, I want us to see where, where the Bible does teach this. That the Spirit will live with the believer. John chapter 14. Uh, and it says here in verse 16. He says, And I will pray the Father. This is Jesus talking to the apostles. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice it's capitalized, and it's capitalized in the Greek as well. That he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Uh, The rest of that passage, which covers chapters 15 and 16, there's more talk of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. Now, Christ promised the Spirit would come and teach them the things of God. And so, that was a promise given. We find that was fulfilled. Uh, When Christ arose, that was fulfilled. The Spirit came. uh, And we do know that the Spirit resides with believers uh, on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit empowered the church to do the work that God has for the church. But the Spirit resides with believers. Let me turn over to one more verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to show you this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse 19, he says, What? Know you not, ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, What we find here is Paul is saying, don't you realize or don't forget that you're now the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit resides with you. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit resided in the temple, which was at Jerusalem. Now, he would work and stir up people at times, but he didn't reside in the hearts of believers like he does today. Today, He resides with you. You're the temple of the living God. And the Holy Spirit is there. And you say, what's He there for, Pastor? Well, He's there to guide you. And He's there to guard you. Primarily those two purposes. To guide you in life. Give you wisdom. Give you direction. Help you through your day. Uh, how many of you need help through your day? Uh, I need help a lot of times through my days. Just, just encouragement, comfort, strength. That's what He does. And then He guards us. He protects us as we go through this world. Uh, sometimes he guards us from things we don't even see coming. That's how he works. He guards us. And so we have the Spirit residing within us. And so the Holy Spirit is there. And then in Galatians 5, verse 22, that's the, the passage that says the Holy Spirit will begin to produce fruit in our lives. In other words, he's going to work in your heart. He's going to work in your heart to produce 
the work that He wants in your life. Isn't it a neat thought to think that God cares enough about us to work in our life? Not only did He save you, but He wants the best for you. And He wants you to be the best you can be for Him. And so He's going to work in your heart to produce the fruit. I'll, I'll turn over there real quick so we can see the fruit that He produces. And then we'll continue on here to our next point. But let me just show you the fruit. Or we'll read the fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer. In Galatians chapter 5. And in verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and loves. He says in verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the work of the Spirit, uh, these categories here, is what he begins to do in the heart of the believer. Love, joy, peace. Now peace, that's contentment, is what that's referring to. Uh, he begins to do that work in your heart. And he continues that work to make you into the person he wants you to be, to make you more like Christ every single day is what he begins to do. And so we're to walk in the Spirit. We're to live in the Spirit. In other words, to do that, you just have to yield your life to him on a daily basis. Get to say, Lord, your will today. Help me. Pray to God. Ask him to guide you, to direct you, to give you wisdom. You can pray to God anywhere you are. That's part of having the Spirit with you now and part of having Christ in your life. That if you run into a problem tomorrow or you get a, a moment of discouragement, you can talk to God and you can receive help immediately. You can find comfort. You can find strength. You can find wisdom. See, that's what the Spirit does in the heart of the believer. And He resides there and begins to work. And so we find here that the Spirit is there. And here's a, a, a few thoughts on the Spirit. First, He'll never lead you astray. Never. He's never going to take you a wrong direction or lead you in a wrong way because he's perfect, he's God. And he's never going to lead you against God, his word. He's the one who inspired the Bible, so he's never going to lead you against this. And he's also going to teach you the ways of Christ. He's going to guide you in the way you should go. So the Holy Spirit is there to guide and to guard the believer. This leads me to my second thought this morning, and this is going back to Ephesians, or, yeah, Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 30 here. And this gets us back to our text. I want to develop that this morning. I want to just for you to see that the Spirit is in your life if you're saved. If you're not saved, that's what you need. You need the Spirit. You need to repent and believe on Christ. But here's the second part of this. The problems we can give to the Spirit. And this is where the lack of power comes in. And we want to make sure we're living correctly. It tells us in verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the two thoughts I have. The first one is, uh, we, the, one of the problems we can give is we can hurt the Spirit. We can hurt Him. That word to grieve, the literal translation is to cause sorrow to. To cause sorrow to. To hurt someone. That's what the word means. It means you hurt somebody else. Uh, this tells us a couple things. Did you, this tells us first off that the Spirit cares for us. Or we can make it personal. The Spirit cares for you this morning. He cares for you. He's concerned for you. He's concerned about your conduct. He's concerned about your character. He's concerned about your well-being. He cares for each one here this morning. And that's what we find in this passage. And the Spirit has done so much for you already by working in your heart to save your soul. He's done so much, but He also wants to do much more in your life. 
And that's kind of the point that we're getting to on limiting the Spirit. He's got so much planned for you. I don't know what it is. You might not even know what it is. But He's got plans for you. I, I do know this. Part of that plan is to make you more like Christ. That's what the Spirit does. He, he draws us closer to God and makes us more like Christ. And, and Jesus Christ is perfect. That's what our example. And the Spirit makes us more like Christ. And, and that's how He works in our life. When you look at Christ, I tell you, Jesus Christ loved people. He loved people. You look at His entire ministry. It's about helping others. People were brought to Him and He healed them. He cared for people. He was concerned for others. And we want to be more like Christ. And so the Spirit will do that in our life. Make us more like Christ. And He's got plans for you. This morning, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what direction you're going in life. If you belong to God, and if you've accepted Christ, the Spirit is going to work in your heart and in your life. And He's going to take you the direction He wants you to go. Now that's exciting to me. That, exciting, that, that tells us that we all have a, a future God wants us to go, where He wants us to go, and He's going to guide us, direct us, and guard us as we go forward. But here's the, the thing. We, we don't want to grieve Him. We don't want to hurt Him in any way. Because when we hurt Him, that, that basically means we're opposing Him, and we're creating a problem in our relationship with the Spirit. Uh, here's an illustration. This is similar to a parent. You know, parents, uh, good parents, we'll put it that way, Unfortunately, there's some poor parents in this world. But good parents want the best for their children, right? They care for their children. And they pray for their children or help their children. And they want the best for their children. And when you think about this, when a child purposely hurts the parent or disobeys, there, there can be some grief there, some sorrow. Because they care for the best for their children. Well, that's the the picture we have of the Holy Spirit. He cares for us, and He wants the best. But when we grieve Him, we hurt Him. And that's how we grieve the Spirit. Now, how do you grieve Him? I think all sin grieves the Holy Spirit. All sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Uh, Because that's opposition to God. Sin is when you go against God. But in this passage, uh, let me read a few. Notice, He gives us some particular sins that we're to beware of. And notice here, uh, we've read the passage in our reading this morning, but I'll I'll point out to you here in Ephesians chapter 4, He begins here, you'll notice it says in verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth. Be angry and sin not. Let not sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to to, to the devil. So notice this list here. And I'm just going to give a quick summary of them because we don't have time to go through them in depth. But notice, he says, put away lying. Put away any dishonesty. Be honest. Be truthful in your life. You know, if you lie, that grieves the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever heard that phrase, a white lie? Yeah, I had that growing up sometimes. You know, oh, it's just a little white lie. I don't think there's a white lie when it comes to the Spirit. I think all lying is, is something that grieves the Spirit. And so, when we lie, we grieve the Spirit. Uh, how about our conduct when angry? In other words, what we do with our anger can grieve the Spirit. If we act incorrectly or take out our anger through vengeance or, or bitterness, then we can get ourselves in trouble, and that grieves the Spirit. Uh, he talks about stealing. He doesn't want us to to be thieves. He wants us to work and be honest. He doesn't want any stealing going on. Uh, Also, he mentions corrupt communication. Corrupt communication. It's interesting he puts this with these. Uh, You know, that's uh, what we say. What we say. You know, uh, our tongue can get us in trouble more than anything else. What we say. Guard your tongue. Make sure you, you speak correctly. Here's a few examples. You know, when you gossip, you hurt the spirit. You talk about somebody else behind their back, you hurt the spirit. When you complain about somebody, you hurt the Spirit. When you murmur, you hurt the Spirit. You're grieving the Spirit, is what the Bible tells us here. 
And that's trouble. You know, those are, those are important, by the way. You know, the, the nation of Israel, the reason they went into that wilderness, they had a lack of faith and they murmured. They complained. And they got stuck out there for 40 years in the book of Exodus. It's a serious, serious sin. And we want to put that away, is what the Bible tells us, so we don't grieve the Spirit. Also, we find here at the end, notice uh, after verse 30, he gives us a few more. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So he says, put these things away. Now that put away means to set apart. Here's the way I like to think about it. I know growing up, uh, I had to put things away in my room. I tell you, my closet was stuffed. It wasn't very organized. But as far as my parents are concerned, as long as the, the ground looked good and it was clean, I was all right. So I would just put it away, out of sight. Uh, I had to deal with it later when I opened up my closet. But that's the thought here. Put it away. Put it away. Put these things away from your life. And these are things we've got to examine every day sometimes. Just say, Lord, are these here? Okay, I've got to put it away. Let me help me put this away. Let me not talk about my friend this way or this person this way. Let me put this away, Lord. Let me put all these sins away so that way I don't grieve you with my life. And so here's the challenge this morning. Examine your heart. Just, just examine your heart. You know, this is not for me to examine your heart. This is for you to examine your heart. And, and do this, uh, you know, really occasionally. Make sure that none of, these are, none of these are found there. And if they are, just put them away. It's as simple as taking care of it. You see, that's what the Lord wants us to do. He just wants us to put those away so we don't grieve Him. And that leads me to my final thought this morning, is when we grieve the Spirit, we hinder His work in our life. That's, that's the lack of power that comes with hindering the Spirit. Now, let me start this last point with this thought. The Spirit will never leave you. Okay? I want to make that very clear. I do believe once you accept Christ as your Savior, that you are saved. All right, And verse 30 even hints at that. He says, you're sealed under the day of redemption. The, the Spirit seals us. That's, that word seal means confirmation. That it's confirmed that you're saved. You belong to God. So this morning, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're sealed under the day of redemption. You're saved. You belong to God. Okay? You belong to Him. And the Spirit is going to keep you. He's going to take care of you. He's the one who did the work in your heart. He washed it. He's going to keep it clean before God. So that you are saved when you stand before God. But when we grieve Him, here's what happens. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. You know what He does? It basically hinders His presence in our life. The work that He can do is now hindered because of... Maybe something we said or something we thought or something we're doing or a way that we're living. And that, all of a sudden, his, his, the blessings of His presence will be withheld is what will happen. And why is this? Here's why it is. Because He's going to be busy convicting you, trying to convince you of your sin. And He's going to be taking the time to try to get you to, to get right with God, to get things right. To say, hey, this isn't the right way. And so his time in your life is going to be spent trying to convict and to convince you to get things right with God. And that's time that he could be spent on other areas in your life. That's just the way to think about it. You see, if we're grieving him with the way we're living in some way, in sin, then he's going to be working in our heart to convict, to convict us that we've got to repent of that sin. That's time he could be teaching you. That's time He could be comforting you. That's time He could be guiding you. See, that's time that He's got to spend in an area of convicting instead of an area of blessing. And so we want to make sure 
that we don't have that sin that we're grieving Him so He can spend time building us up, strengthening us. And here's something to consider. Think of what you could be missing out on when you grieve the Spirit. Think of what you could be missing out on. Uh, I think life in general, uh, we don't like to think we're missing anything. Right? I mean, we like to think we... What I mean by that is... uh, I like to know what's going on in the world. I like to know what's happening. Uh, I like to think that, guess what, if there's something taking place and I can be part of that blessing, I like to be part of that blessing. Well, when we grieve the Spirit, we can be missing out on blessings that God has for us. Maybe some great blessings. Maybe some great encouragement. And so when we grieve the Spirit, then we may not receive the blessings God has for us because of that sin there. Also, the two other messages will be that we talked about prayer. That'll be affected when you grieve the Spirit. It's hard to go to God when you grieved Him. Uh, here's an illustration. Have you ever, if you offend somebody, you offended Him, uh, you've got to apologize to Him first, right, before you go to Him. Well, you think of it the same way with God. When we offend God and we're grieving Him, our prayer life's going to be hindered. And then how about faith? Once we grieve God, that faith, we're going to struggle with faith as well. So it's best to make sure we're living unto God, not grieving Him and we're walking with Him. And here's the, the thought here. The believer... Grieving the Spirit. You're going to have what I would call just some... You won't lose God's power as far as in your life, but your power to live will be limited. I'm going to run down five thoughts with you, and then we'll wrap this up this morning. Uh, When you grieve the Spirit, you'll have more doubts, I think, in your heart when you grieve the Spirit. Uh, I believe some will even doubt salvation because they're grieving the Spirit. Uh, you'll doubt if God, why God's not hearing your prayers when you're grieving the Spirit. You'll doubt perhaps God's work in your life when you're grieving the Spirit. Uh, also, another one is discouragement. When you grieve the Spirit, uh, you'll be discouraged more often because the Spirit's not there to comfort you. And you'll not be encouraged necessarily to read the Bible until you get things right. How about your desires? When you grieve the Spirit, basically you're living under yourself anyway. So when you grieve the Spirit, you'll probably seek worldly things instead of spiritual things. Because you'll be living unto self. Uh, As far as your direction in life, how about this? When you grieve the Spirit, you'll probably want to go your way instead of the Spirit's way. It'll just be, I want to do this, I want to do that, instead of, God, what do you want me to do? And then here's the fifth one. I think uh, when you grieve the Spirit, I'll call it your display or your testimony is going to be affected. In other words, uh, when you grieve the Spirit, uh, chances are you're going to live more like the world than you will live like Christ. And we want to be a testimony to the world. And when we grieve the Spirit, it's probably because we're living more like the world and we don't want to do that. So here in closing, you know the Spirit today wants to work in your heart. He wants to work in your heart. I can say that. I really believe to everyone here this morning. He wants to work in your heart. Now what that work is, I don't know. If you're here and you're without Christ, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, He wants to wash your heart. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to regenerate and give you new life. To have that happen, you have to receive Christ as your Savior. You've got to believe on Him, trust Him as your Savior. And this morning, if someone is here and they're like that, that's the work He wants to do today. And He's just waiting to do that. Waiting to give you blessings. Waiting to give you a new life. And then once you're saved, He wants to work in your heart here today. I don't know your situation in life, but I do know the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. He wants to produce that fruit. He wants to bless you. He wants to guide you. You probably have decisions you've got to make this week. He wants to help you with those. Uh, you may have some discouragement come in. Something may happen. He wants to encourage you. You see, God wants to help you. He wants to. 
And what we need to do is just yield our life to Him and let Him work in our hearts. So this morning, let us not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let us not grieve Him. Let's seek Him and live, as it says in Galatians, or yeah, Galatians, let's walk in the Spirit and let's live in the Spirit this morning. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.